0: Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Austin is Sean Marchese, who's Global Head of Compliance for Babylon Health. Joining us from Dallas is Naka Zurfi, who's Product Compliance Officer there. And finally, joining us from the UK is Dr. Keith Grimes, who's Clinical Digital Health and Innovation Director at Babylon Health. And we're going to be talking today about their session at the 2022 Compliance Institute, Oversight Considerations for Ethical AI, Possible, Practical, and Essential. First of all, Sean, Nakis Keith, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank what you, Adam. You very it's move. a pleasure. Thank you. My, my pleasure too. So um, Keith, why don't we start with you? Uh, how is AI being used in the healthcare setting currently?
1: Great. Well, uh, I'll start briefly with a definition. There's a lot of different definitions. In fact, there's no one definition for AI, but I like to describe AI as automating tasks that would otherwise require a human brain. Uh, for example, decision-making and pattern recognition. And Why is it important in healthcare? Well, we simply speaking have too few human brains to meet the healthcare demand. Demand massively overwhelms supply, particularly on a global basis. Now, AI can use a number of different uh, technologies, such as logic, probabilistic methods, classifiers using statistics and machine learning and neural networks, all great sort of complicated titles. but, But all these are different ways or different tools to address use cases within healthcare. So how is it being used at the moment? Well, at its most simple, a lot of people use AI in the form of using Google. They'll use searches in Google to find out more about their health problems. In fact, a statistic from a couple of years ago showed that over a billion searches relating to health go through Google every single day. So it's pretty popular use of AI there. But AI can also be used from the purposes of predictive analytics, either at a population level to help us understand which groups of people might be at highest risk and target them for intervention. But also for personal health recommendations as well, for being able to understand your own personal risk of diseases. Uh, it's used uh, rather famously in radiology, identifying changes in x rays and images, uh, but also for clinical decision support, something that we use in, in Babylon as well, uh, and give insights from clinical documentation. And then there's more common uses night natural language processing, chatbots, and symptom checkers, again, something that we use within Babylon too. So many people will be using AI every day in terms of Google, in terms of speaking to their smart speakers or or route mapping too. And within Babylon, we like to use AI and data-driven technologies to help, uh, help us achieve our mission to deliver high quality, accessible, affordable healthcare to everyone. And we use these tools in different areas and we'll probably talk a wee bit more about that in a minute
0: well there seems to be a, a ton of usage that people aren't even aware already exists now to, just to follow up with this keith do organizations typically have a good sense of where AI is being used or is it like data in general with bits of it scattered everywhere
1: yeah i think that's a really really good way of uh, imagining it that data is used everywhere and ai is increasingly used in a lot of different places wherever data is used ai can often follow so so within healthcare um Some uh, uses of AI will be very apparent to the clinicians or the patients, and some won't. So when I'm out seeing patients and visiting them at home, I'm using, you know, route mapping and GPS, and uh, uh, I might not even think about the AI use there. It's also used in terms of optimizing healthcare delivery, sometimes note summarization. And when it's being used effectively it sort of disappears into the background another example of it disappearing into the background for me as a clinician is in decision support for prescribing i'll rely on expert systems to help me identify any particular risk areas so so sometimes it's not immediately apparent and it's important to call out where it's used because if you want to be an open and transparent user of these technologies you want to be clear when it's being used and uh, there are similar challenges for For data you know the where data is used and what it's used for can sometimes not be immediately apparent
2: yeah and and adam i would add that even closer to home for those of us who are compliance professionals there's a lot of different ways in which ai can be used i mean there are companies using ai to help mitigate the impact of false positives in compliance monitoring which of course are a fact of life in any screening or monitoring exercise and they're a huge impact because of all the administrative work that it takes to chase down suspicious names and transactions just to learn that oh well that was a different john smith or something like that and where large companies may have the resources to manage that smaller companies don't and i think especially for for smaller companies taking time to hunt down and flag false positives is a lot of time employees are spending away from their usual job so i, I think there's there's a lot that could potentially be gained by by a lot of companies by using ai to do that there are companies using ai to improve internal audit capabilities, identifying unusual activities to help auditors decide where to focus audit efforts so that you don't have to rely entirely on manual risk assessment and assurance mapping. And then even in places like regulatory change management where there are now tools available to use natural language processing to uh, review and analyze regulations and uh, take a take a look at rules and guidance and identify the changes, which means less time spent comparing text side by side and more time spent actually implementing the new guidance.
0: And efficiency is is always the goal. Now, because now, let me follow up with you, though. AI famously does have issues with it. Um, you know, over and over again, it's found to be incredibly biased, whether it's on racial issues, gender issues, whatever. What are some of the issues that have come up that would be a concern for compliance teams?
3: Well, Adam, where do we start here? I'll try to capture some concerns that have been raised recently we can start with the worst-case scenario that could happen where the AI is unsupervised and becomes so advanced that it starts making decisions on its own that can't be controlled and then has unintended consequences that could end up harming society. We have seen some issues already dealing with bias and discrimination, which can always happen with the data, depending on what type of data you're inputting and if it's representative of the population and also who's developing the algorithms and the models. People have been discriminated against in hiring practices, getting financial loans, facial recognition, Um, there's also issues in healthcare as well based on the populations and the data that's being represented uh, on the populations that you're treating. Another issue is accuracy. Is your AI producing accurate results? Is your AI models following its intended purposes and uses or is it causing unintended uh, unintended consequences that you didn't account for? You can think about recent uses with social media. Also, do you have any safeguards with human oversight and technology safeguards in place? Another issue is transparency and being able to explain your AI. There's neural networks now and deep machine learning that can be very powerful tools, but they can be less explainable. You get to the concept of the black box, where you can see the outputs of your AI, but people have a really hard time understanding its internal workings and how it actually works and based off of what. There's also a concept about human-in-the-loop or human-centric approach. You want to make sure that you have some oversight, some human oversight, over a lot of the AI that's being used with our populations today. Um, And so that's another issue that the industry should be aware of and concerned of. Um, Also, is there any transparency with your AI? Can you explain it easily to your populations and users? And what should they be aware of? and they should also understand how it's being used. That's in addition to other concerns that are always present, especially in healthcare, dealing with privacy, security, and safety concerns. So unethical and irresponsible AI can have severe consequences that include lawsuits, regulatory fines, you could lose trust that leads to dissatisfied and lost customers, reputational damage, destruction of your business value, and also your AI products could truly even harm people. So, in healthcare, you're dealing with people's data and health, and that's serious business. It's a business filled with risks, and we need to account for those risks. Keith, I'm going to toss it over to you to share a specific example.
1: Yeah, so I think what Nakas has done there is illustrate that AI is an extremely powerful tool and therefore you have to use it with some care. And there are different areas that you want to sort of focus on. Of course, we spend a lot of our time making sure that we can use AI safely and effectively. And a a really interesting area uh, to look at is the area of the data that you use to train the models. Now, artificial intelligence relies on good high quality data as well. So the care that you take at the front end identifying the data that you use to train these models is important in healthcare historically certain groups are more represented in high quality data than other groups as well and so that might mean that we have very high quality data in high-income countries where there's a certain demography versus middle and low-income countries as well now if you don't identify this and if you don't make you don't train models bearing this in mind or even impute missing data you may end up amplifying that bias as well so what's really nice about artificial intelligence is that with the right care and attention you can start to make accommodations for this and actually help correct for these biases too so ai can be a tremendously powerful tool for helping change those biases and lead to more equitable care but it does require mindful use and attention to detail when you're building these products
0: and one of the things that's come across in this conversation already is you really need to be aware of all the ethical considerations. And, and the three of you are advocates for an AI ethics oversight process. Sean, how could one help and what would be its scope of responsibilities?
2: Well, I, I think fundamentally it's it's about what Keith was just now talking about of just making sure that um there's there's that view over the process, right? So I think that the immediate quick win that you get from establishing and AI ethics oversight process is just the opportunity to establish a common framework for thinking about ethical issues, whether it relates to data protection concerns, regulatory concerns, sustainability concerns, or whatever else. And also the opportunity to establish common processes and standards and governance mechanisms, including monitoring of the use of AI. It, it sort of can become the human supervision element over the use of AI, and that makes sure that we ensure safety in regards to users' well being. Um, equi- equity and inclusiveness in regards to the outcomes coming out of the process, transparency so that we can ensure that all the systems and processes are explainable, uh, consistency, responsibility, and accountability for resolving any potential unintended outcomes of AI. So, right off the bat, I I think there are a number of ways that oversight can just, again, be that sort of supervisory element. In terms of the scope, I think it can vary by organization, depending on how big the organization is and what the resources are that are available. Some organizations may want a full ethics oversight committee that reports to the board of directors. Some may want something smaller, like a a cross-functional ethics panel or an ethics oversight forum. Um, We do believe that it should be cross-functional, multidisciplinary. and and there's lots of good reasons for that uh but i think depending on the size and docket of the body whatever it is the scope could include things like establishing the standards and directives to be applied when vetting ethics questions and this is where a cross functional group can be really effective because you can bring in standards from you know technology data protection healthcare sustainability whatever the organization is you can bring in whatever standards are applicable to to sort of establish that bottom line can also help educate the organization on those standards once they're established. And and that's where you can get into kind of an advisory board on ethics. But then you can also have a a body that maybe vets specific use cases against those standards and kind of serve as an approval board if that's right for the organization. there's certainly value to be had from just tracking specific use cases across the organization, just so the organization has a better understanding of the many ways that AI is being used, to to the point you raised earlier, Adam. So there's less of that scattered everywhere mentality and a better sense, holistically, of how we're using AI. And of course, they help ensure accountability by making sure that any unintended consequences are corrected or mitigated appropriately. Let me follow
0: up on one thing you mentioned there, which is the need for a cross-functional team. Who should be a part of the process?
2: Well, again, Adam, I think that we found that a a multidisciplinary team is really something you want. That way you can be sure that you're evaluating ethics questions from a variety of perspectives. You want people on there who can speak to regulatory and legal standards, uh, data protection standards. Depending on your business, you might have clinical standards, environmental standards, sustainability standards, But I also think it's important not just to think of it from a perspective of what the regulations and the mandates say you have to do, but also think of it from a perspective of culture and what's the right thing to do so from that perspective you might want people who can speak to the user experience you might want people from hr who can speak to diversity and inclusion initiatives things like that so that you can really make sure that you're thinking about it from from all angles uh, in in terms of what the sort of the baseline is of, of what's right to do for the company as for whom to pick from each of those columns I think that's going to vary by organization somewhat. I think most organizations are going to want some sort of sponsorship at the suite, at the C-suite level, but then the makeup of the governing body should really be stakeholders at a lower level, at, a, at the level that they can apply those standards in a very hands-on way. And I think who are plugged into the business enough so that they're aware of activities on the ground, as it were, so that the oversight process has visibility to everything it needs to see going on in the organization. But I think most importantly, you're going to need individuals who are empowered so that the ethics oversight process has the influence it needs and that you've got people, part of that process, who are agile enough to keep up with the changing needs of the business and the technologies as they change and the standards as they change as well.
3: Adam, we just really wanted to say that we really appreciate you having us on your podcast and for the HCCA having us for the Compliance Institute conference coming up at the end of March. This is an area that's still emerging, and we need to talk more about it and identify ways we can implement good practices, including setting ethical principles inside organizations and oversight mechanisms. We hope our presentation will give the audience more perspective on some practical things individuals, including compliance professionals, can do inside their companies as AI becomes more prevalent, and also push forward more thought and discussion in the field. Thanks again.
0: Well, thank you three for uh being here today and for being a part of the Compliance Institute, which will take place in Phoenix and online from March 28th through 31st. Finally, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Taub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.